Aqua Lads and Aqua Lasses. You're in the Aqua Cave. The show's called Bright Man. You know that I'm Johnny C. So let's just dive into it and figure out what bright idea I've got for us this go-around. So what is the best? Well, there's a lot of them. What's the best song of all time? Well, that's easy. It's Take On Me by AHA. What's the best uh, TV show of all time? Well, that's easy. It's HBO's Watchmen. What's the best movie of all time? Well, that's easy. It's Star Wars Episode Episode 4, A New Hope. Easy for me to say. But are they really the best? Well, I don't know. I know that they're my favorite. And I know that favorite doesn't mean best. Now, when it comes to the film, I could try to prevent provide a thesis for why it's the best. What does it accomplish? What does it change moving forward? What does it inspire us to be as a genre and as a, an, arti- an art form? What does it really do? Uh, I won't argue for Take On Me. It's just my favorite song. What are you going to do? I don't, it, it's probably not the best from a compositional standpoint. Maybe it is. I don't know much about music. Okay, I know a little bit more about movies and television. Um, but what is the best wrestling show of all time? Well, I don't know. Is it just... Are we talking TV shows? Are we talking pay-per-views? Are we talking specials? Like, I don't really know. How do you really do apples to apples there? Well, folks, it's really simple. The best wrestling show of all time is the main event from February. I think it's February 5th, 1988 in the old Market Square Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana. You want proof that it's the best? I mean, I can give you numbers, I suppose, if that matters to you. It got a 15.2 Nielsen rating. 33 million people watched it. But it's not just that. It's magic, this television program. And so what I want to do is just sort of relive it and talk about things that stand out to me that contribute to my belief that the main event is the best wrestling television product. You know, And that includes pay-per-views. Basically, what I'm saying is if a camera was filming a wrestling event, all of those are incorporated into this thesis. So every time a camera has been turned on and a wrestling event has taken place, the main event is the absolute best put-together television consumable product of all time. And I'm not trying to sound like a corporate thug with this information. So what are we going to do? Well, just like we usually do on Bright Man, we're going to go through these things in a chapter format. Okay, from ad break to ad break. And what I'm going to talk about is what stands out to me that makes this show the best. And maybe along the way, I can convince you to see my way. But if not, that's okay. I'm totally cool with that. But hopefully you'll at least understand where I'm coming from as to why this show is the best. Let's go ahead and dive in. Let's not waste any time. It's the best, so we want to get there. Let's do it. Chapter 1. Maximize Your Minutes. The show starts with Macho Man Randy Savage cutting a promo about the Honky Tonk Man. Then, the Honky Tonk Man cuts a promo about the Macho Man. Then, Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant cut promos about Hulk Hogan. And then, Hulk Hogan cuts a promo about Andre, the opening credits roll, and that's the end of the chapter. Oh, come on, there's a hell of a lot more to it than that. But that's the structure. That's the entire first two minutes. Okay. Now, here's what's so interesting. 
the hall, uh, the, like I said, Macho cuts a promo first. He gets 20 seconds. He's in, he's out, and he's in front of his Macho Man graphic. So we've established who this character is, what their logo is, what it represents. Same thing with the Honky Tonk Man. He's with Jimmy Hart, who doesn't have his glasses on. That's like unmasked Rey Mysterio. It doesn't sit well with me, but that's fine. And then DiBiase and Andre get 20 seconds as well. So three guys get a minute total. Then it's Hogan's turn. He's our star. He's the WWF champion. He's He is the wrestling business, bar none, period. I won't hear any other words on the subject, especially because it's 1988. Now, Hogan's time is a little bit different. He gets a full 30 seconds to himself, which makes sense. You want to give him more spotlight, more of the rub, and he's only one person that's talking. He doesn't have a manager or a mouthpiece with him. We transition immediately and this is 90 seconds into the show. We transition to the main event opening title sequence. And not only is this nostalgic because of the awesome uh, Saturday Night's main event theme song that they show, we also get close-ups and shots of the four men we just saw performing their finishing maneuver along with the musical interlude. Okay? Um, and I must say... This is the best shake, rattle, and roll I've ever seen in history. Because not only does Honky Tonk Man deliver it with authority, but he also twists and bounces off the mat himself. It's glorious. Now, Savage does just do the double axe hammer out the top rope. I don't know why they didn't go with the elbow, but that's okay. Savage can use that to finish a match. Savage coming off the top is what we want to accentuate, so so I'm okay with it. We see Andre do his crazy suplex toss to Bam Bam Bigelow, and at exactly two minutes, the intro is over, and we head to commercial. So what have we done here? We've got an hour. With commercials, we get 49 minutes. We have absolutely maximized our minutes, as Jim Ross would say. We have established our two major matches. It's a three-match card. Every match for a championship. And we've established most of that, the important parts of that, because we'll, we'll get to the tag titles, okay? And it's, it's unfortunate, but it doesn't matter. It actually adds to the presentation, but it's not time to talk about that yet. So right here from the get-go, in the first chapter of our conversation, we have delivered exactly what we need to this audience, this audience on NBC who may or may not be familiar with our product and we've not only provided to them the information they need, we have accentuated all the positives about the performers we want to highlight. We understand that the Macho Man is angry with the Honky Tonk Man, and he's good Elizabeth! Uh-huh. We know the Honky Tonk Man's a fucking Elvis impersonator, and he's a slime bag. We know that the Million Dollar Man is an asshole, but we fear Andre the Giant because his hands can fit safely around Hogan's neck. And then Hogan does his Hogan thing. It's perfect. It's undisputable. It's amazing. But that is chapter one of this content. Now, let's talk about what happens when we come back from commercial, because it is glorious. Chapter two, with a tear in my eye. The crowd is off the charts when we return from commercial. What a thing to show any viewers out there who might be curious. Vince and Jesse are on the call, and Vince intros the show on house mics, which is great because it allows the audience to hear all the hype that they're giving out. Jesse is dressed like a wizard, question mark, and forces Vince to say he just flew in from Hollywood. Just to be clear, this is a live broadcast, 
and the crowd sat through a lot of dark matches to get to this point. Jesse pontificates that Andre has waited one year for his rematch, and there is no way he leaves the arena without the gold. He predicts also that the Hart Foundation will reclaim the tag gold. He predicts Honky Tonk Man is going to retain, but he can't predict what Honky Tonk Man will do with Elizabeth. Vince has to be on cloud nine here, right? He has the audience that he wants. He knows that they're going to deliver a game-changer storyline. He may be nervous, sure, because of the implications about uh, what is to transpire. But I choose to believe he's excited. Go big, right? If you're finally going to pivot away from Hogan, do it in the largest way possible. And speaking of a large Hogan, Vince McMahon throws us to a very special presentation. It is indeed the famous video of Hulk Hogan working out to what would eventually become Jake the Snake's theme song. Some could say waste of time. I say, nope. Talk about hyping up your big attraction. It's important as well because it establishes how theatrical this product is. You know, if you're perhaps a someone who has seen the NWA before on television, well, guess what? You're not going to see anything like this on NWA TV. We are a national, global platform here, folks. And we produce movie. <laughs> we make movies. Sip. Anywho... Uh, a company like NWA isn't going to use their resources to put together a video like this is, I guess, my final point on that matter. And it's worth it because we get that insane final shot of Hogan laughing. Ah, brother, yeah. When we come back from the video, the crowd is somehow louder. I don't know where they're getting this energy from. Uh, the logos of our first match dawn the screen, and it's the Intercontinental Championship title match. Let's go to Gene with the Honky Tonk Man. Let's just hit the high points of this bad boy. The Honky Tonk Man calls Mean Gene Green Bean. Honky Tonk Man's big storyline in this thing is that Liz wants him and not the Macho Man. Tonight, he gets the lonely woman. Take her to the Heartbreak Hotel. He won't be cruel. She wants me to love her tender because I'll be her teddy bear. Well, Honky, where's Macho Man going to be? In the ghetto. In the ghetto. I think this is the same promo that Aaron George, legendary podcast journalist, covered over on the North-South Connection Podcast Network with the wrestler that was episode of the Honky Tonk Man. He explains this in much better detail, so I recommend going to listen to that if this promo tickles your fancy. It's time for the entrances, and the theme music is so loud, but in a good way. It's diegetic sound, sound that the audience is to understand existing, not for the audience, but for the characters as well. You can hear it echoing throughout the arena. Honky Tonk Man enters and does his shaky leg dance. The live graphic reappears, helping to put over the gravity of what we are watching. It's the first of three title matches. It's the motherfucking main event. The Honky Tonk Man's dancing in this scene is so on point. Peggy Sue runs down to join in the festivities as well. And this might just be me, folks, but I can feel the performers on the top of their game. Everything they're doing is so amped up. It's like they're over 9,000! The honky-tonk man plays the guitar. Everybody dances, that being Jimmy Hart and Peggy Sue. They're having had themselves a little party there in the middle of the ring. The honky-tonk man even steals the microphone from the fink and lip-syncs to his song. The music transitions us to another interview this time with the Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth. 
the honky-tonk man theme drowns out the first few seconds as the WWF figures out how to calibrate the live audio to not drown out this pre-tape. And, you know, you could say it's a fuck-up, but to me it adds to the live presentation. You know, imagine if this was a real competition and Savage is legit just seconds away from walking in front of the curtain trying to collect his thoughts while he's being blasted with the annoying sounds of the theme song of his nemesis. You know, the honky-tonk man's voice is just in his head as he's trying to pontificate words to Mean Gene or Green Bean. You know, he's reminded of every sour note that the honky-tonk man has sung and that the honky-tonk man still breathes air after what he's done to Miss Elizabeth and to himself should just enrage this character. Randy, of course, doesn't let Liz talk and cuts a standard but great promo. It's fuel to the fire, yeah. Uh huh. Vengeance is mine. See it, the macho man. Elizabeth, down that aisle. The honky tonk man theme then transitions to pomp and circumstance, and the honky tonk man turns to the aisle, furious that his dance party has come to an abrupt conclusion, and also looking frightened that perhaps his moment of truth has come. <sighs> Guys, I can't handle watching these savage entrances. The pageantry, the music, the emotion of the Savage and Liz saga. Sometimes it's just too much for me. Randy has the uniformed police officers flank Miss Elizabeth to protect her from the fans. And I can't say enough about it. The presence of the police adds to the feeling of chaos and a big fight is about to occur. You know, the WWE modern-day announcers love to fabricate the big fight feel here on SmackDown. But this is a big fight feel, folks, and it's organic, and no one's yelling how awesome it is as it's happening. It makes a big difference. The calming sounds of Savage's music paints a very different picture as he takes his place, center ring, announcing to the world that soon all that you see will belong to the madness And one more thing, the crowd is rabid for Savage. My only regret is that when he mounts the turnbuckle, as his music peaks, they turn it off. A rare miss, but I suppose you could argue the point has been made. Jimmy Hart distracts the Macho Man so Honky Tonk Man can thrust and pelvic dance at Miss Elizabeth. Savage chases him out of the ring as the bell rings. And our contest, the first of the evening for the Intercontinental Championship, is underway. 11 minutes and 27 seconds into the show. Chapter 3. I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Savage immediately removes his character's wardrobe and pursues the honky-tonk man. He pulls the old, I'm going to eliminate myself from the 1992 Royal Rumble and gives that pursuit. I'll tell you what, fans, no one propels themselves over the top quite like Randy Savage. But Randy catches the honky-tonk man as for his first strike, or his first move, if you want to look at it that way. He hits his patented elbow and tosses the honky-tonk man inside the ring. He drags him to the hard cam and gives him the Savage Stun Gun. You know, where he grabs you by the hair, runs to the top rope, jumps over, and, you know, stun guns you on the top rope. I don't know what that thing's called, but I fucking love it. And then, to make this crowd-riveting moment even higher, he pulls the old meeting of the minds when he rams Jimmy Hart into the honky-tonk man, skull versus skull. 
Of course, Jesse the Body Ventura on commentary is appalled by the assaulting of a manager, and I wouldn't have it any other way. As Savage heads back into the ring, Jimmy holds the man's foot, and now the Honky Tonk Man appears to be in control. Nope! Randy Savage fights back! Oh, and by the way, the crowd has been screaming their heads off this entire time. Savage then hits what might be the best jab I've ever seen him throw. We all know no one throws a punch like Randy Savage. For some strange reason, I don't know if it's the crowd or, again, much like uh, everybody else tonight, uh, Macho Man's just feeling it. This jab looks awesome. He then, though, misses a charge into the turnbuckle, and it feels like the match might experience a momentum shift. But again, Savage fights back, keeping the crowd into this bad boy. You know, the crowd never really leaves this thing, but I kind of felt like there was going to be a slowdown here, but they seem to be timing things exactly correctly in terms of the ebbs and flow of the crowd participation in this match. Now, Randy Savage gives chase to Jimmy Hart outside the ring and then back inside. Classic heel moment here as Jimmy Hart drops the megaphone and the honky-tonk man takes control by cheating. I want to make that clear, not because I want to point out that he's a heel or anything like that, but the honky-tonk man being in control of this match does happen, but it only happens when he cheats, and that's part of the overall narrative here. Uh, We do get a fake out, which is genius, again, because the crowd was kept guessing by perhaps Randy will come back from this, maybe he won't, and then the foreign object solidifies that we are going to be in a brief honky-tonk man control period. Uh, and again, this this cheating scenario goes to show that the Macho Man Randy Savage may be above the Honky Tonk Man in the pecking order because he's in control until there's a foreign object or a flagrant rule break. But we'll continue that narrative. Honky hits a chin lock, as to be expected. He's slowing things down. That's fine. He's the heel. But it doesn't last long at all because Randy fights back to his feet. The crowd erupts. But then a vicious knee sends Randy Savage down and the honky-tonk man serenades Miss Elizabeth by swiveling his hips, as Forrest Gump would say. Honky-tonk man then gets some help from Jimmy Hart with a choke on the outside. This, of course, again, sends the crowd into a fucking frenzy. They're furious, and I love it. Uh, the way that, my, that the, the microphone uh, accentuates the sound of the mats throughout this evening is fantastic. You can even sort of hear that pause. You can hear an echo or a reverb, but it's in a good way, and you can hear it even when Jimmy just pounds the mat to inspire the Honky Tonk Man. This is when it stood out to me, and I wanted to make note of it. A Randy chant breaks out, for God's sakes, and Savage hits a flurry of elbow strikes that shuts the Honky Tonk Man down. So they're giving the crowd the absolute perfect ebbs and flows here again honky's in control you know slows things down for just the right amount of time for when savage fights back we're still we were it's like oh we just peaked oh now we're now we're worried oh we're peaking again like it's just and i know it's wrestling 101 guys i do but when you have hot characters and a hot crowd and a live environment which was kind of rare for this time unless we're talking pay-per-views it just all works and fires on every cylinder. The honky-tonk man never controls for too long. And when he does get control, he'll often go over and confront Miss Elizabeth, 
which is a hell of a lot better and more entertaining than watching Randy fight through a, ch- a chin lock or an arm bar or something like that. I don't care what you say. It works. Honky Tonk Man on the top of his game, and he should be commended. He's a big part of this. So Honky heads outside and stalks Miss Elizabeth. I suppose you could say the Honky Tonk Man stalks his prey. Jimmy Hart comes around from the other side, and folks, she's boxed in. Randy Savage, though, attacks Honky from behind, and the crowd releases its tension with thunderous applause. Back inside, the honky-tonk man begs off like he's Ric Flair. Savage says, Uh-uh, not going to take that from you, honky-tonk man. And he tosses him right over the top rope like garbage. Like garbage. Savage goes up top. Jesse with the call. That's his patented maneuver. A double axe hammer to the outside. The crowd can smell a title change. Back in the ring, Savage hits a body slam. He goes up top! You think an elbow, because I'm thinking elbow. But the honky-tonk man stands up. So another double axe is delivered for one, two, no! Jimmy Hart, up on the apron now. Savage throws him inside the ring. Honky-tonk man attempts the submarine sneak attack. But no! Savage moves out of the way, and Jimmy Hart eats a honky-tonk knee. Eats a honky-tonk knee! Savage locks in the sleeper! The crowd believes that Randy Savage is about to win the fucking Intercontinental title with a sleeper. A sleeper! And I kind of believe it too, except I know what happens. But it's a... I mean, it's a sleeper old! I fucking love it. Peggy Sue confronts Liz for a taste of things to come in a few years. But Savage ain't having any of that. He lets go of the sleeper and gets in between the two ladies and sort of tells Peggy Sue to back off. But he doesn't look like an asshole heel. He doesn't like faint like he's going to hit her or anything like that. It's it's nothing that insane. The honky-tonk man again attempts the submarine sneak attack and eats a macho fist. Savage rams the honky-tonk man skull first into the post. Goes inside the ring. But the ref hits ten. The bell rings and the crowd erupts. And if you think that I'm going to at all compare this to SummerSlam 93, folks, it's the opposite of that. It's Savage celebrates just the right amount for winning via countout. Uh, he sort of motions like with his hands, like doing that Savage thing, like, mm, and then sort of swipes his waist with the title, like, where's the title? I should be the champion. Uh, uh, Honky Tonk Man, though, has the guitar, and enters the ring. Even though he was unable to answer a 10 count, he's still willing to inflict violence, and it's a standoff. Jimmy Hart finally succeeds a submarine sneak attack and hits Savage with the megaphone, and he's down in the corner. Honky Tonk Man lifts the guitar, about to uncoil, poised to strike. Elizabeth enters the ring and forms a protective cocoon around the Macho Man by using herself as a human shield. Honky Tonk Man swings, stops, thinks to himself, Do I really want to destroy Miss Elizabeth with a guitar? Do I want to be that guy? He verbally berates Elizabeth. He swings! He's going to do it! But not this time. Macho Man springs up and protects Elizabeth and blocks the guitar like he's fucking Superman. The guitar is hoisted in the air, both men struggling for position. 
Savage gets a kick. The honky-tonk man flees, and Savage destroys the acoustic equalizer on the steel ringside post. The crowd blows the roof off as the Fink makes the official announcement that Randy Savage is victorious. Elizabeth on the ring apron now, in tears. The macho man waves his hands again like, No! No crying, Elizabeth, because we're number one. He holds open the ropes and invites her back inside the ring. The macho man raises her arm in victory. The crowd again erupts. How many times can I say it? I should probably find a better way. Savage hoists Elizabeth up on his shoulder. Elizabeth smiles and the capacity crowd explodes. And we head to a commercial. Now, what has this segment done? Well, I've got a list. Number one, it has allowed Savage to close the book on the honky-tonk man. Number two, as I mentioned previously, Savage dominated this match unless cheating was involved. So we've established that he is above the intercontinental champion, the Honking Talk Man. Number three, by nature of what number two meant, that means he's above the intercontinental title itself, in my opinion. Number four, he has now exposed his babyface presentation to a national television audience and solidified that character, being the babyface Macho Man, as a top member of the WWF roster. I could see many fans assuming that another run with the Intercontinental title was on the menu for this character. But much like a Slim Jim, this match snaps that expectation, and soon a new destiny is to be forged. Chapter 4. Controversy Creates Cash In moments, ladies and gentlemen, we will have perhaps the greatest rematch in World Wrestling Federation history. But before we get there, we must discuss the journey. 93,000 plus in Pontiac, Michigan saw what Jesse calls a disputed call when Andre covered Hulk Hogan after an errant body slam for a phantom 1-2-3. We relive the controversy courtesy of videotape. Referee Morella's hand does indeed raise three times, but counts only two. It's extremely serendipitous, in my opinion, that this fell into their lap, but here we are nonetheless. Cut to January 1988 in the Capitol Center. Andre the Giant, in his badass suit, headbutts opposing Hulk Hogan into submission then unleashes his colossal hands to choke the life out of the champion. Royal Rumble 1988. The contract is signed for this historic rematch. But afterwards, Andre the Giant attacks and throws the table on top of the Hulkster. Now guys, I know this is kind of a tiny table, maybe a kidster's table if you will, but it makes Andre look even larger than life than he really is. It's a toy compared to him, and I love it. Of course, a new wrinkle in the Andre presentation made itself known here at the Royal Rumble. Alleged multi-million dollar man Ted DiBiase now owns the contract to not only bodyguard Virgil, but also the behemoth that is Andre the Giant. Back to Indianapolis, it's time for the final words on the matter. Mean Gene is in the back with the Bucks. No, not the Milwaukee Bucks. The only Bucks that matter. The Mega Bucks. Ted wearing a silver and pink question mark accented suit. I'm very colorblind, but I think it looks great. 
fantastic moment as Mean Gene's posing his first question. He looks both at DiBiase and Andre as if he is unsure who to ask the question to. So he kind of offers it to both. Gentlemen, tonight you have your chance at the WWF Championship. Chance! Andre is already champion. At Mania, he had the three count. But obviously, Hogan had the ref in his pocket. He's a hulk of moron. Virgil's going to watch the referee. And then Andre puts a giant hand on Virgil's shoulder, showing solidarity, and also just how fucking large it actually is. I'm pretty sure this interview would later be digitized for the arcade classic, WWF Superstars, and that makes it even cooler. Andre has had the finest training that money can buy, and money maketh the man. That's why Andre is with me, that being Ted DiBiase, and Hulk Hogan is with those nickel and dime peons. Your account's overdrawn, Hogan, and Andre's gonna close it. But what does Andre have to say? Once I got my hands on you, I'll never stop. Never! I will squeeze and twist and squeeze and twist. <laughs> no one can beat Megabucks. Back to you, Vince. We get another live graphic letting us know that this is indeed happening now. The crowd is clamoring. And they scream when the Fink says that the next match is for the WWF Championship. I'm sure they were expecting the tag titles, but there's no time for such nonsense. The Megabucks stroll into the arena with confidence. They were born for this moment. Great camera shot as the Megabucks walk down the aisle. Behind them, that is, is the camera. Look at that! He blocks the entire screen out, McMahon! Andre is indeed huge, as are the boos that rain down on the giant. But you can feel the fear and trepidation within the audience. Standing by, Mean Gene with the champion! Apparently, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, has millions of reasons to become the World Wrestling Federation champion. Hogan says he's keeping an open mind about the controversy, but he won fair and square, dude. He's watched the footage like a thousand and one times. The training, prayers, and the vitamins are small change to you, multi-million dollar man, but I've invested my three assets wisely in a lifelong profit-sharing plan with all my little hulksters. He says you're going to watch the referee fine because all the hulksters are going to watch you. I will prove I can beat you, Andre, and Hulkamania will live forever! Amazing last words from the Hulkster. All parties involved in this big match have had lots to say about the officiating of the previous contest. Interesting. Let us see how it all goes down. Chapter 5. 2,122,560 minutes. Four years is a long time to be a champion. I guess you could say it's one year longer than three, which is also a long time to be a champion. I suppose I could make a joke about Hulk Hogan giving his promo backstage with Mean Gene wearing the tiny WWF championship belt and then walking out with the winged eagle around his waist. But fuck it. This is Hulk Andre 2 and I'll hear none of it. Hulk Hogan gets halfway down the aisle and then sprints and dives inside the ring. He takes off his belt and wields it above his head like he's fucking Conan the Barbarian and threatens to slice that stinky wart-infested giant too, brother. However, referee Dave Hebner gets in the middle and blocks like he's Big Daddy Dan Wilkinson. And yep, 
I don't know a goddamn thing about that fucker, except the Bengals drafted him number one some year when I was a kid, so put your tweets down. I don't really care. The Megabucks escaped to the apron, and I will try desperately to do this next sequence justice. Hogan surrenders the title to referee Hebner. The referee slowly walks around the ring with the title high in the air and spread out wide. Even the folks all the way up in the nosebleeds can see it clear as day. As Hebner turns, Real American hits a musical peak. I got something deep inside of me. The country's a thing that keeps us free. Then the Real American hook starts. Hogan is convulsing and pantomiming, but in a good way. He's putting a hand up into the air, high, meaning giant. Then, putting the other hand up high, indicating a slam is forthcoming. The middle Real American hook starts. You know the one. It's got the reverb and the echo. I am a real American. Hogan slowly rips the shirt. We go to a wide shot. The guitar solo hits, and Hogan does the ear cups to the crowd. Hogan then does the finger thing means the money signal, and then signals, never, dude. He draws a line in the sand and beckons Andre to enter. The music ends. In my opinion, this is the second best Hogan music choreography moment in history. Second only to his WrestleMania 8 entrance and musical battle with Sid Justice a la Doctor Strange versus Doctor Strange in a musical battle from Doctor Strange 2. You can hear all about it in the archives, Starman Negative 2, Part 4, a shameless plug for myself. We then get the world-famous shot of Andre in the corner as the camera goes from his feet all the way to his head. There is no mistaking it, folks. This man is a god that stands above the rest, and he looks confident. Andre is often cited as a spectacle or an attraction, but right now, folks, he's here, and he is a character, and he is doing a tremendous job. The bell rings, and the rematch has begun. I would like to point out, though, because I really wanted to get over how amazing that entrance is, uh, during the entrance, Vince on commentary is salivating over Hogan, as he should. He's the babyface announcer, and he's Vince McMahon. Hogan's his guy. Jesse Ventura is happy that referee Hebner is assigned to this contest, and not Joey Morella. Say what you will about the cartoonish nature of this era, but they are weaving a fully grown-up narrative. Everyone is really doing their part, too. For example... Jesse Ventura is talking about how he loves that the Giant is saving his energy and letting Hogan get all worked up. I mean, and it's true. The Giant is calm and Hogan is all over the place, but it's great. I love it. And I also am aware fully of the fact that Andre the Giant lives in Grenoble in the French Alps. But I think he's been vacationing in Memphis because someone has taught Andre the Giant how to stall when this match gets started. But it's a good type of stalling because a massive Hogan chants start. And then Andre enters the ring slowly, one leg at a time. The Megabucks, which is just probably the, the catch-all term I'll use to describe DiBiase and Verge, they're on the apron offering some last-second advice. 
Hogan says, the market's closed, dude. And he puts the kibosh on their little conference here. He slugs Andre, then schedules a meeting of the minds between Ted and B.I.R. G.I.L. When he gives them the double noggin knocker. They then get invited into the ring via Hogan whipping the ropes. Which I love because they both do unnecessary flips. And, and it's just perfect. It's so 80s and amazing. Andre staggers from the illegal closed fist given to him by the Hulkster. Virgil eats a big boot. Ted, another big boot. And he gets eliminated from the rumble himself as well. Hogan then turns to the giant. Fists of fire and fury. There is separation for a brief moment. Andre swings for the fences. But the more agile Hogan dodges. He whips him off the ropes. And the momentum allows him to destroy Andre with another strike. But Andre is still standing. Reverse knife edge chops by the Immortal One. Woo! Andre still stands though. More and more thunderous strikes. He then rams Andre's skull into the turnbuckle. Bounces off the ropes and hits a running elbow to the face. The giant is not invulnerable. He's hurt, but still on his feet. Huge clothesline by the Hulkster. Center ring. And it looks like Andre may be close. The Mega Bucks up on the apron now to buy some time. Hogan swats them away. Hogan sees that Virgil has dropped some cash. Ted DiBiase is picking all of it up off of the ringside area and has a wad of bills in his hand that is technically inside the ring scooping up the cash. Hogan walks over and stomps on DiBiase's hand like he's goddamn King Kong and the money goes flying into the air. Planned spot or happy accident? I don't know and I don't care because this is magic in a bottle. I mean, you could not have planned it out more perfectly. The cash sustains in the air and sort of waffles down. I mean, you know how some paper is when you throw it in the air. It just looks, it looks great. I don't know what else to say. It adds so much. And I should probably mention this entire time, there has been a large sustained roar from the crowd. As if you didn't know that. Hulk takes to the eyes and he has Andre in the corner. Huge clothesline from the opposite corner now. Almost like a Hulk Hogan stinger splash. Except it's just a clothesline. But you get the point. Andre looks close to collapsing now. Hogan drags Andre's center ring so the giant can no longer get standing assistance from the ropes. It's a small thing. Uh, but it, it adds a lot because Andre is sort of out on his feet using the ropes. But he's fucking Andre the Giant so he's not down yet. Hogan... Then does the goddamn Looney Tunes wind-up punch that I always make fun of. The But for some reason, it works. Especially when you consider the fact that Andre took the punch and is still standing. Had that been the item that knocked Andre down, I might have been like, eh, but it works. Another ocular assault. Hogan with the rake. Andre, though, still standing. Hogan goes to the turnbuckle. Climbs to the top rope. Andre strikes with the goozle. And military press slams Hogan off the top rope. Hogan is fucked. And he is down and Andre is control. Every single piece of information that I've given you has been, up until this point, offensive strikes from Hulk Hogan. And with one military press slam, 
Andre the Giant has turned the tide and is still standing. No! Andre then does a motherfucking Ric Flair flop after delivering the military press. The Giant is finally down. Look, elementary, sure. The guy tries to beat up the even bigger guy, sure. But it's absolutely masterful storytelling, and I won't hear anything to the contrary. Hogan sees that the giant has fallen and crawls over for a cover. No! Andre with another goozle. It's a blatant chokehold, McMahon, but Andre's got a five count. And that's the story of this match. Andre uses all five seconds, and he revels in the time spent where he's allowed to legally choke the Hulkster. It's glorious. The crowd audibly shrieks in fear when the choke is applied. Another choke, another break at five. Another choke, another break at five. A huge crushing blow from Andre. There is then an absolutely huge Hogan chant. Andre goes to the eyes. I guess turnabout is fair play. He slams the champion. A giant headbutt. A giant knife edge chop. I can feel it, McMahon. The champ is going to go down. Andre then hits combination strikes, rotating between knife edge chops and headbutts. More chokes by Andre, but again, like the giant genius he is, he continues to break right at the application of five. Hogan into the ropes. Andre with his own big boot! Yeah, Andre falls, but fuck it. It looks like he hit him so hard it knocked himself over. I love it. Hogan rolls to the outside, seeking sanctuary. Virgil aggressively tosses Hogan inside and chokes with the referee distracted by Andre. Virgil doing his part to ensure the corporation's plan does not fail. Andre is then caught by the referee, not only choking, but also choking with his wrestling uh, fucking singlet strap as well. Uh, but Ho Hogan, Hogan is still alive, but Andre has to break at five, lest he risk disqualification. Now, center ring, Andre applies the legalist version of the choke that you can. Again, most likely ready to break at five, but Hulk Hogan hulks out of the choke. Hogan goes to the midsection with a knee, then chops the giant into the corner, rakes the eyes again. Andre, center ring, staggered. Hogan goes to the second turnbuckle. A flying clothesline. The giant is down. Hogan whips off the ropes on the hard cam side. No, Virgil grabs the foot. Referee Hebner goes and admonishes Virgil for his rule infraction. Hogan in an obvious but still brilliant move, bounces off the opposite ropes on the hard cam side, hits the leg drop. One, two, three, four, five, come on, ref! But the referee is distracted with Virgil. Hogan, as I mentioned, gets the visual five count, then goes to confront the referee about missing the pin count. Andre is up, and you can hear the crowd gasp in fear. A headbutt, oh! A second headbutt. Andre spins Hogan face-to-face, man-to-man, giant to immortal. Andre hits the giant plex. One, two, Hogan gets the shoulder up. Three, wait, what? He got him! He got him, McMahon! The referee counted three! 
We've got a new world champion! Chapter 6 108 Seconds Pandemonium reigns. The Hulkster clearly kicked out at 2, but the decision has been made. Make no mistake about it. Andre the Giant is the official reigning, defending, World Wrestling Federation champion. And the clock on this reign has begun. Vince is in denial. Jesse is overwhelmed with the taste of victory. I don't ever want to hear you doubt me again, McMahon. Hogan is visibly shaken, confused, angry, justified in all of these emotions. Referee Hebner outside the ring has the gold, and he will hear none of Hogan's pleas. The referee's decision is final. Hebner counted the three, McMahon, and wrestling, you don't go by instant replay. I'm sure if they did have instant replay, that replay would be inconclusive? Inconclusive? Inconclusive, my eye. Vince calls the referee's mistake stupid. Hebner enters the ring and hands the title belt folded nicely to the rightful holder, hand raised now in the air, and the title rests on the shoulder of Andre the Giant. The Fink makes it official. The crowd is not pleased. You can, however, see some adults at ringside smiling and drawn into this narrative, keenly aware they are witnessing history and pleased to see new storylines unfolding. The myth of Hulk Hogan is over! Mean Gene at ringside now interviews the new champion. Andre has some truly historic words. This is no surprise. I told you I'm going to win the World Tag Team Championship. Okay, who cares? He does call it the World Tag Team Championship, but I don't give a fuck. Chaos and anarchy reign. What are you going to do? Nobody's perfect. And now I surrender the World Championship to Ted DiBiase. 108 seconds after the historic title change, chaos consumes and surrounds the WWF title. Andre fastens the belt around DiBiase, and an absolutely beautiful camera shot tells the tale. The Million Dollar Man, in fact, appears to be the WWF champion. Money can't buy the grin of satisfaction DiBiase now wears across his face. Hogan runs to confront the new champions? Question mark. The Mega Bucks flee, but referee Hebner could not escape. Ted taunts Hogan with a title from the outside. Vince can't believe that this will stand. Even Jesse now questions the legality of surrendering the title, but no question that Andre was indeed the champion. Uh, and there can be no questioning for the first time in four years. Hulk Hogan is unquestionably no longer the WWF champion. Back in the ring, referee Dave Hebner appears to be verbally reprimanded by... Referee Dave Hebner? How can there be two Dave Hebners, McMahon? It is true. Two identical referees are now in the ring arguing with one another. Hogan turns to see the new wrinkle in this story unfold. He reaches out and grabs their throats. He wants to know, <laughs> what's that smell? More seriously, though, it appears that the Hulkster is angry, and you wouldn't like him when he's angry. 
The crowd demands vengeance and pops for Hogan's aggression. Who is the real Dave Hebner? The referees are now free from the grasp and assault one another. The crowd pops for this. Two referees fighting. I swear, I feel like given from this crowd reaction, you could book Dave versus Earl at WrestleMania. Dave assaults the man who confronted him, revealing to Hulk Hogan this must be the evil referee. Hulk does the finger thing means the money, indicating he knows what devious plot has been unleashed and he is unamused. He can smell the stench of corruption. Dave Hebner tries to flee, but Hulk will not allow it. Dave begs and pleads for mercy. The crowd gives their approval to violence. Dave Hebner is up in the military press position. The Megabucks race down the aisle. Hogan sprints across the ring. And Dave Hebner has left the building, folks, because he is thrown completely over the Megabucks and absolutely destroyed, both literally and figuratively. Uh, Vince lets us know, please, don't go anywhere. We'll be back. Stay with us. Chapter 7, The Price of Immortality. We're back from commercial, and the greatest theme song ever plays in the arena. It's girls in cars. The WWF Tag Champion Strike Force are in the ring for their title defense, the final of three promised championship bouts. But folks, I gotta be honest with you, we have less than three minutes of TV time remaining. Following contest scheduled for TV time remaining, as Aqua K favorite Gary Michael Capetta might say. But in the back, Hulk Hogan is in the locker room with Mean Gene. He's visibly distraught. Gene assures Hogan there will be a thorough investigation. But Hogan unleashes his rage. How much money did they spend on the plastic surgery, man? I had all the bases covered. <laughs> Never in my wildest dreams did I think I'd get ripped off by a penny-pinching referee. We see a replay of the three count. Take a look right here, Hulk. Look at the shoulder, brother. <laughs> the referee is paid off. Look at the $100 bills falling out of his pocket. I know you're disappointed. Vince, Jesse, back to you. A uh, funny side note here, Aqua Cave listeners. As a kid, I used to rewind that replay over and over and over again, looking for literal dollar bills falling out of the referee's pocket. I never did find any. We head to another commercial, but we're back in the arena that war for the tag team championship wages. Less than a minute of TV time remains. Vince McMahon promises that an investigation is forthcoming. But we are out of time. We have to say goodbye. This match is in progress. But so long from Indianapolis, Indiana. The copyright hits and we are done. In the future on the WWE Network on Peacock, we see that Strikeforce gets her phantom one, two, three after a sunset flip just seconds after the show goes off the air. Epilogue. Take a bow. You've earned it. So, folks, that is how the show went down. Why is it the perfect show? I mean, come on. We all know what happens next, okay? Savage wins the tournament, wins the gold. Well, this show makes it clear that the ascension of Savage is imminent. The rematch, in my opinion, absolutely delivers. And oh yeah, 
This was the first WWF title change in four years, and it happened all on network television in front of the largest television audience in WWF history. Every second of it looking like, no pun intended, a million bucks, thanks to the sleek production of Titan Sports. We walk away from this show with so many questions, but completely and thoroughly entertained. I make no bones about it, folks. This show is legendary for all of the right reasons. We saw every title defended. We saw what is unquestionably the most controversial decision in Federation history. And we saw legends at the peak of their game. What more could you ask for? A full WWF Tag Team title match, you say? You know, I get where you're coming from, but I disagree. The chaos surrounding the fallout and the lack of attention paid to the tag match makes this controversy feel all the more, dare I say, real. The next month, the WWF would not let us down. They would provide answers to all of our burning questions. And all you have to do to receive those answers is join us at WrestleMania on a pay-per-view basis. And that, folks, is how you build an empire. That is going to wrap up things here on Brightman. As always, thank you so much for joining us here in the Aqua Cave. On your way out, please remember to subscribe so you get notified whenever new content drops. For Vince McMahon, Jesse the Body Ventura, and Mean Gene Okerlund, I'm Johnny C, and a winner is... (laughs) 